One of our listeners recently wrote and said, my biggest struggle with people pleasing is not taking it personally when parents are critical with me or my family members. When someone tells me I'm not teaching a subject right because their student didn't get the grade they wanted, it's hard. Or there's constant girl drama on the playground. Recess is supposed to be fun, right? Or when a parent complains to my husband about the coach or officials because their team lost, it brings me down. I want everyone to be happy, but that isn't possible. (laughs) I laughed when I heard that because I think we have all felt that way, that we do not like complaints coming in our direction. But I have to say that it was sort of an ouch, too, because my problem is, is that I'm too often the complainer in this situation. You, Sherry? Me? Oh, I never complain. Oh, so glad. But I'll tell you, what bothers me is, uh, no, (laughs) I can't even go there. (laughs) Not only am I often a complainer, but I have this habit of like hiding or dressing up my complaining so that it's not easily recognizable. And it was my students about 10 years ago who pointed out that one of my techniques is sarcasm because I'll say something, I'll see a piece of trash sitting on the floor right next to the trash can and I'll be like, well, it would sure be nice if this piece of trash could make it all the way up from the floor into the trash can and they'll be like (laughs) rolling their eyes at Mrs. G or I'll come home after shopping and I'll use storytelling like a storytelling lead in with my family I'll be like you would not believe what the cashier at Walmart and you know and it's like it sounds like I'm going to tell this amazing I mean no I'm just going to complain because she didn't know how to enter something in multiples and enter 20 items one by one instead of doing times 20 or whatever. And then the other thing I'll do is I'll act as if I can do a dismissive comment and laughter at the end will make the will magically make it not a complaint like wine, 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 but it doesn't actually matter. Ha 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 ha. And uh, it turns out all of those are still complaining. So do you happen to mask any of your complaining, Amy? <laughs> well, I started thinking, um, I think there might have been a lot of times when I've shared a complaint as a prayer request. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Christian way. <laughs> That's right. In my women's class, you know, it's like whatever's my current um, thing I want to grouse about. That's what I okay, share. Okay, wait. I, so you got to be really honest here. Do you ever start to phrase it as a complaint and then go, wait, how can I phrase this as a prayer request? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, While I'm waiting for everybody to talk, I'm already (laughs) doing this in my head. Yes. And okay, I have to share one other funny one. I grew up in a house with a door slammer. So there were no words at all. But my mother, who is, she's petite, but fierce, man. She was the door slammer. So you always knew if she was perturbed if the door slammed but it's so disappointing in our current home we have hollow uh hollow frame doors <laughs> and so like i'll try to slam it it just kind of whiffs that's it it's so unsatisfying yeah thunk is not is not doesn't work it just doesn't sound yeah. enough like a complaint exactly well this is sherry gregory and i'm amy carroll And you're listening to Grit and Grace, Good Girls Breaking Bad Rules, the podcast that equips you to lose who you're not, love who you are, and live your one life well. Today, we're talking to Trisha Goyer. Trisha is a busy mom of 10, doting grandma, and a wife to John. She is the founder of Hope Pregnancy Ministries and currently leads a teen mops group in Little Rock, Arkansas. Well, Trisha, your new book, A Grumble-Free Year, I just love the subtitle for it. 
12 months, 11 family members, and one impossible goal. Why did you take the challenge of a grumble-free year? Well, first of all, it's that second part. There's 11 family members living <laughs> in our house. That's and, the miracle. Right and so there. there's always grumbling. There's always someone complaining about something. Um, but we really decided, like John and I had talked about it for a while doing it. We really decided when we were on a 20, well, we were 25 miles into a 5,000 mile road trip with our kids. And, you know, they would grumble about where we stopped, when we stopped, how long we stopped, who was touching them, who was breathing on them in the car. So we said, this is enough. We need to do something about this. Okay. I'm just gonna let that all sink into our listeners here. <laughs> it sounds like a wonderful catalyst. So you talk in your book about how you grew up learning how to be good to avoid conflict and not yell. And so the perfectionist part of me is nodding and thinking, good, good, good. So how on earth did you end up becoming a grumble when you learned so many good things growing up? My family, like we weren't the ones that were yelling at each other and that were loud. I was the oldest child, oldest grandchild. I was the one that was always good, never got into trouble. It's my little brother who always got into trouble. But what I had learned was the grumbles. And so I would hear it from my mom or my grandma. They'd say things like, oh, it must be nice to be able to go on vacation like the neighbors. Or, oh, I wish some, you know, I wish someone would help me in the kitchen. So it was never like they would ask for help. It was just the grumbling. And then, you know, you kind of knew that they wanted help. And so you would, you know, I would go in and help them. But no one ever communicated communicated. They just kind of grumbled about what wasn't going right. And so really, I learned that I, w I would never, you know, explode or yell or I need help or all those things. But it was more of that grumbling that just kind of built and built and built. So it was almost like it was code, like you had to learn this coded communication. If you say it, I have uh, I had a person like this in my family too. And if you say it in a really nice tone of voice, it's not really grumbling, right? <laughs> that, that's what it was kind of like I thought, you know, I don't have a big problem with this. It's just kind of letting everyone know that the problem came when people, you know, after I got married, my husband didn't pick up on it. He had to learn the code. That's the problem. <laughs> well, in the book, you say there were problems and issues that needed to be worked through. But instead of talking to others about them, I held them all inside, not wanting to complain. Well, the people pleaser part of me is nodding and thinking, well, you've got that right. But how is talking about problems and working through issues different from grumbling and complaining? Yeah, and I, I think it goes back to that communication part where I didn't know how to talk to my husband or later when we had kids, our kids, about what I needed, what I wanted from them, about, hey, guys, we're going to go on, you know, do this later. Let's all pick up the house. I would just grumble and complain, grumble and complain. And so really, I think all of us are going to have things that go wrong, things that we need help with, things that we struggle with. And when we're able to talk to someone about it, to communicate our needs, to thank them, for helping us. It, it's good, healthy communication instead of grumbling and complaining and expecting, first of all, that people will understand what we need. And second of all, um, often they're doing it just because they're tired of hearing me grumble or they don't want me to, you know, that grumbling to grow will explode into anger, which it, that happens too. And so they would comply, not because they're wanting to help me, because they're tired of hearing about me grumble about something. Ooh, okay, so, okay, I, what I'm about to talk about steps on my toes, but that stepped on my toes too, so thank you in advance. All right, so this part really stepped on my toes. You said, I wasn't angry, at least I didn't think I was, but the grumbling confirmed the story in my head. I do everything for everybody and nobody does anything for me. So 
talk to us about the connection between grumbling and anger, because I bet quite a few of our listeners are like me, and they wouldn't have necessarily drawn a straight line between grumbling and anger. Right. Well, grumbling, when we start grumbling, basically we disconnect. Um, we might have unrealistic expectations. We want our kids to do something. They're not doing it. Um, we may be overwhelmed. And so that those grumbles will be there. And for me, you know, I homeschool six kids. And so by Friday, when I wake up, the house is a mess. You know, we have homeschool books piling all week long. Um, there's shoes everywhere. And so I've been grumbling all week. But usually by Friday, I'm like, we need to clean up. This is ridiculous. And I can only deal with it for so long. And so just because I didn't proactively communicate during the week and worked with the kids to get stuff picked up, the grumbling didn't work. And then all of a sudden I'm exploding, I'm angry. And then what do I do? I'm apologizing. I shouldn't have yelled at you. So it just made this bad cycle that I was realizing that I was getting into. Well, I want to circle back um, because, and this is all of this is tied together, of course, but you talked about that how you expected people to meet your needs even when you haven't hadn't told them what they were and i think that that leads to this exploding that you're talking about but can you unpack it for us like bit by bit so how what are some positive ways to express our needs without coming across as selfish or sounding like we're complaining yeah that is so good so ways to express our needs. Okay. One thing I had to talk to my husband about just a couple of weeks ago is we have teenagers who like to stay up late. And of course, you know, when the little kids are in bed, that's when they want to talk. That's when I want to, you know, show, watch a show with us. And so John and I would stay up until 11, 1130 with the teenagers. And then I'm getting up to have my quiet time, have my devotions. And so I was exhausted. And so I just said, you know, I explained like, I love the time with the teenagers. Maybe if we push back the, uh, push up the little kids back, bedtime so we have time with them but if we can get in bed by 10 or 10 30 that would just really help me and so I you know shared a need I'm really getting tired I could see that it's wearing me down during the week and my husband he'll just go along with the conversation it's like they'll you know ask like the meaningful what did it mean in exodus when blah 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 and then all of a sudden they're in this deep conversation so I don't want to cut that off completely but I I just wanted to let him know I need more sleep here and so it was just me saying this is my needs this is a communication and so there'd be times I could see him kind of looking at his clock it's like okay this is going to be the last question we're going and I'll go to bed. And it wasn't something I you know, made a big deal about and was complaining and grumbling about to the kids. It's just something I talked to him about. So that's just really a big difference between grumbling about something, grumbling about a problem, and then able to communicate it with someone and come up with a solution. That's so helpful because it's so low level. You know, we, we think, well, surely that's too easy. It couldn't fix it. But it did fix that problem. Yeah, I did. Well, and, you know, one of the important things I'm hearing is you talked about it at a time that it wasn't, you, you didn't talk to him about it at at midnight, I'm assuming. Like, you right. talked to him about <laughs> it at a time that the, the problem wasn't occurring, but at a time that you guys could talk about it, he could think about it, and then execute the solution the next time or, you know, soon thereafter. So that makes a lot of sense. Well, one of the best ways to stop a bad habit is to replace it with a good habit. And so what did your family start doing instead of grumbling? Well, I think the first thing, of course, is I had to model it. So I had to, you know, point out things that I was grateful for and then really 
praise when I saw my kids doing something. So when they would say thank you, or then when they would ask for help instead of grumbling, or when I asked them to do something, like maybe they were reading something and I said, okay, it's time for you to do your chores instead of them exploding and saying, what? I don't want to do that. If they answered and said, can I finish this page or can I finish this chapter? I'm like, great job. And so it was really First of all, after I modeled it, noting when they didn't grumble about something, because grumbling was pretty pretty much every time I told them to do something, it was grumbling. When they started to make changes, when they were aware of their communication and how they responded to me, when they didn't give me the eye roll when I talked to them, then it's a great job. You didn't roll your eyes. And at first, they're like looking at me like, okay, but then you could see that they wanted to work on it. I'd also say it's like, you were really mature in your response. And of course, they're like, wow, I'm mature. And <laughs> they want to do it more. So we started doing that and then also we um have a gratitude jar where we when we're feeling grateful we just write those gratitudes down uh, we have little slips of paper right there in our dining room next to a jar something they're thankful for they'll go over and write it sometimes we'll pass it around at dinner time or at other times so it's just making note of having gratitude instead of always just pointing out the grumbling you know at first it's just like everyone was just on everyone at the time and that's not helping because they're grumbling about each other's grumbling so <laughs> When we took time to like, okay, we are being grateful and took note of that, that made a huge difference. Mm. I love that you shared with us about how you got your kids buy-in because that was one of my big questions. (laughs) Well, tell us one of your favorite stories from your Grumble for Year. Okay, now this is probably the hardest story, but it ended up being our favorite story. So my grandma is involved in this too. So we have our kids at home, my husband and I, my grandma is... um, in her late eighties, when we were going through this year, she's just turned 90 now and she is a little spitfire, but around Thanksgiving, she fell and broke her back. And so she had a broken back and she also has dementia. So she did not remember she had a broken back. And so we had actually put an alarm by her bed. So when she would try to get up, we'd have to run in there and said, don't move. We have to put your back brace on. Your back is broken because she did not remember. So she couldn't remember her back was broken. She didn't know why this alarm was going off, what that was going on. She couldn't remember so many things. But after she realized, okay, my back's broken, she would just lay there and praise God. So she couldn't even use the potty by her bed because she couldn't get out of bed. But she would sing praises to God. She would sing these hymns, every line of every hymn. She remembers them and would sing. She'd pray for all her family members. And our homeschool room is right next to grandma's room. And I would say, listen to that. And they're like, yeah. And we talked about like grumbling, like it's so easy to grumble about the little things. And I'm like, grandma really has something to grumble about. She can't even get out of bed. She has a broken back, but she is praising God. And I just thought it was so interesting. Like she couldn't remember that her back was broken, but she remembered to praise God. It was all those years of being a Christian, thanking God for things. It was like hardwired into her. And I think that was one of the lessons that helped us the most. It's like, we're grumbling about stuff that really doesn't matter, but we want it to be when, when something happens to us, even when we can't remember anything else, we can remember to praise God. And I remember just the look on our faces like that was definitely an aha moment for all of us. And if you ask my kids, like, what did you learn the most? We're like, we learned to praise God even when things are really hard. And so that really made a big impact on my kids. Well, that just made a big impact on Amy. You you just made Amy cheer up again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for those of us who want to aim for a grumble-free holiday season, which 
I'll just admit feels like it would be impossible. And I do not have a family of 11. I've got a family of four and two geriatric incontinent cats. So, (laughs) but for those of us who are like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. And, you know, for many of us, maybe it's just us. We're not even going to try to get the whole family to join us. We're just going to, or maybe we are, maybe, maybe we're going to try to throw the challenge out for the whole family. What is some practical advice that you would give us? I think um, one thing that I mentioned before is just expectations. I think we have expectations of certain things and we, we, we kind of overwhelm ourselves because we want to do all the holiday stuff. And so I think what I've done the last actually three years is we pick three things. It's like this season, this December, or Thanksgiving or whatever, let's pick three things we want to do. So we'll vote together. It's usually looking at Christmas lights, baking Christmas cookies once and like doing some type of uh, craft, Christmas craft. And so those are the three things. We'll figure out a time. We'll figure out a schedule. But even when we sit down to do Christmas cookies, I'm like, okay, I know it's going to make a mess. Like you just have to kind of prepare yourself ahead of time. Cause when there is, you know, 10 kids, cause there's usually have extra kids over and they're all making cookies. There is going to be frosting and food coloring and sprinkles. And so just setting up, first of all, picking a couple things that your, your family really wants to do and focusing on that. So we didn't make like 20 types of cookies and take platters around, you know, we didn't do those things. Like this is all we can manage, but it's also even when we're sitting down in the moment, just, you know, I tell myself at a time, like there will be a mess that I will be cleaning up or we'll all even say, okay, we're going to all clean up afterwards. And again, you're letting your needs be known, but it's having that expectations. Cause sometimes all of a sudden we're in the middle of it. There's a mess. We're grumbling, we're complaining and no one is having fun. So really just thinking ahead of time, what's important, and then being realistic about it. So practical. Well, what closing words of encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners, Tricia? You know, I think one thing that I think really I would love to get across is that grumbling matters to God. Um, it's a big deal to him. I mean, we, we we read with our kids all the way through Exodus and Numbers, you know, when they're going through the desert and they're grumbling and grumbling, grumbling. And God's like, you are grumbling people, you will not enter your whole, the Holy Land. Like they lost out on that because of grumbling. And, you know, God wants us to thank him and praise him. And, you know, there's the difference between the Israelites who grumbled um, and there's and, and didn't get to enter the promised land. Or there's ones like David, which even when hard stuff was going, he would say, God, you know, he turned to God. This is really hard right now, um, but I will praise you. You are my rock. You are my tower. So he would take his needs to God and he would pour them out to God. So that's okay. Like pouring out your needs to God, even your complaints to God is okay. If you turn it around at the end and say, but I praise you, even though this is going on. And so just knowing that it is a big deal and it is worthy of our time. That's why we took a year. Cause I knew if it was going to be a week that we would be done. Like we would try and give up and nothing would change. Um, so just knowing that it is worthy of taking our time to focus on having gratitude instead of grumbling. We hope you've enjoyed episode number 173 of Grit and Grace, Good Girls Breaking Bad Rules. Hop on over to our website, gritandgracegirls.com backslash episode 173. There you'll find this week's transcript, the Digging Deeper devotional, and links to Trisha Goyer's website. We'll be continuing this conversation over in our Facebook group. If you aren't yet a member, search Facebook for Grit and Grace Girls and you'll find us. Next week, we'll be processing together what we learned from Tricia. For today, grow your grit. Embrace God's grace. And when you run across a bad rule, you know what to do. Go right on ahead and break Break it. it.
All right. That is a fabulous episode that our listeners need. (laughs) (laughs) Those people. (laughs) Those people out there. (laughs) This will be really, really good because you're right. It's it's having expect when we dial back the expectations, there's less to complain about. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like it's That's it pre-solves awesome. the problem. So this will be kids great. Kids will be kids or family members will be yeah. family members. Or <laughs> yeah, so good. All righty. Thank you. And thank you so much for your flexibility. I know we changed yeah. times on you approximately 2000 times. So I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you not complaining about that. <laughs> no problem at all.